Welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. What about this job then? Well, it's, it's just drama then, you know. Yeah. Mm. who? A tall, thin, black tart. I could write a book about it. Too many cheese. Well, no, no. He comes out of Nick, and they owe him one, and they give him a job, driving a tall, thin, black tart. And she fucking hates him. Treats him like a doormat. And he hates her. Well, kind of. You mean he likes her? We don't even know her, does he? It's the Real Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. I'm pleased to say this afternoon, I'm joined by my two co-hosts from the Stinking Paws podcast. Hello, Paul. Hello, Charlie. Good afternoon. All right. <laughs> How are we doing? Yeah, all right. Yeah, last time we saw each other, we was on holiday together. We were in sunny Great Yarmouth. Sunny, it wasn't <laughs> fucking sunny. Before. It was in Great Yarmouth. <laughs> that bit is true. Most enjoyable. Yes, yeah. Um, whose choice was it today? It's mine, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so I've got to explain myself for this one. Um, it's Mona Lisa from 1986. Anybody that knows me, particularly you, Charlie, would say, bloody hell, Scott, this is going to be one of your favourite movies. It's got Michael Caine in it, it's got Bob Hoskins, it's set in London, you know, 80s theme, why have we not done this before? I'm going to let you into a secret, I only ever saw it once when it first came out, and I watched it this morning, for only the second time, and do you know what, I'm I'm pretty convinced it's going to become one of my favourite movies ever. I don't know why I've never gone back to it. It does surprise me that you've only watched it twice. Yeah. You'd think that this has got my name written all over it. Yeah, but I think the more of a cineast you are, the more films that are in your sort of orbit. So stuff does just get left behind, doesn't it? Of course it does. You're constantly trying to find new movies. Long Good Friday, you must have seen that more. I watch it every year. Yeah. Yeah, So um, it confuses me that you've only seen this. And I don't know why. It's one of those ones that have just... Probably because I watched it... I was going to say, I wouldn't say I was too young. I was 17 when it came out. 
Was this your first watch, Charlie? It was. It was a film that I'd always contemplated. Like, again, forgot about it, but one that I'd always had in that yeah. sort of like weaponry yeah. of, of bringing that out. For... Well, you were saving it, weren't you? Yeah. Because you said you wanted to save it until we reviewed it. It wasn't so much that I wanted to be the one who brought it to the table, but I thought, right, I've never seen that before, so I'm, I'm saving it until mm. we review it. Yeah. yeah. I think that'd yeah. just be the ideal circumstance. I thought it? I'd seen it, and I hadn't. So oh, so we've got some real my different... first watch as well, people, yeah. people do get it mixed up with Long Good Friday because it, are they both handmade films? They are both handmade films, but yes. they're six years apart. We were saying to someone at work the other day, oh, yeah, we were called in and uh, we're going to do Mona Lisa. And someone straight away said to me, oh, that's the IOA one. So immediately oh, they had right. it mixed up with the Long Good Friday. Yeah. Interesting. All right, let's play the trailer. We'll be back after this. Some men have named you You're so like the lady with the mystic smile She is mysterious Unattainable He is decent Ordinary The business is different but the rules are still the same Dependent upon each other. Go look at her best. You should notice these things. The little things. They are different. In every way. Did anybody ever teach you manners? Do you want to work for me? No! Now tell me I'm fired. All right, you're fired. Lovely. I'm fired and you're straight walking. A woman. It's lovely. And a man. Lovely. Looking for something. They're so young. Things can happen out there. If you last a year and a half on that street, you're looking. I was looking. I'm going out. Looking for someone. I can't go down. But you could. You. What you do? Try. George. Unless of course you would cut your face. Try. Yeah. What you? You don't need anybody, do you? I do. Thank you. Get something better. Well, how do you mean better? Tommy, dirty, nasty, slimy, kicking. Simone, get out! Bob Hoskins, Kathy Tyson, Michael Caine. Mona Lisa. Sometimes love is a strange and wicked game. Mona Lisa, released in the UK, 1986, directed by Neil Jordan, starring Bob Hoskins, Kathy Tyson and Michael Caine. Storyline. After getting out of prison, George, played by Bob Hoskins, looks for a job. But his time in prison has reduced his stature in the criminal underworld. The only job he can find is to be a driver for a beautiful high-priced call girl, Simone, played by Kathy Tyson, with whom he forms a first grudging and then real affection. 
but Simone's playing a dangerous game, and when George agrees to help her, they both end up in deep trouble with Mortwell, Sir Michael Caine, the local kingpin. I'm intrigued to find out you two and your reaction to a first-time watch to something that is 30 years old has got two stars that you're very familiar with, so it's sort of like a missing link. It's something on your list that you haven't haven't seen, you know, you ought to have seen. I want to know how this stands up. If you're going back 30 years to a first-time watch to something that perhaps you should have watched a few years before, who wants to start? And you're both deferring to each other. I love that. Um, <laughs> go on then. Um, I, I wasn't too certain of it. I didn't know anything about the plot. Did you watch the trailer or anything? No, nope, right. nothing. Okay. So I went into it totally blind. Um, I like like the first sort of fifteen twenty minutes setting the scene. He's just out of prison. He's been given this job. Yeah. And then I thought about the next forty minutes was a bit dull. Oh. Because it it just keeps sort of repeating the same thing of him ferrying her around and mm. whatever. And it wasn't wasn't until the second sort of hour of the film that it started to pique my interest in because they started to get some storyline to it. I thought yep. it was lacking story up until that point. The part where they're looking for Kathy Tyson's Yeah, yeah, and obviously Michael Caine comes into a bit more, is a bit more menacing, there's a bit more violence. Yep. Um, yeah, Mr that, Anderson. Yeah, there's definitely a sort of dead bit in the film, sort of oh. around about sort of half hour to an hour. I just found quite challenging to watch right I, I wasn't sort of paying attention to it but it it's one of those films that I it finished and I was like yeah it was alright but it's one that I've been thinking about days after it keeps yeah. popping into my mind and I'm like oh yeah yeah I, I sort of get more about it now and, and that build up you're thinking perhaps that wasn't as boring and it yeah, might be I, I essential to the rest of the film I can understand why it was in there yeah it just didn't necessarily need to be so drawn out. Okay. But you enjoyed it as a whole. You've, as, you've, as a whole, yeah. At the time, I'd have probably sort of said, yeah, it was okay. But, yeah, so thinking back on it and and probably a second watch, I might enjoy it a bit more. Okay. Okay. Charlie? It's really interesting you saying that because I don't think – it's not that I think you're, you're wrong or anything, but I actually had the opposite – Thought that I thought they kind of quite quickly glossed over the the foundation of their relationship. It went from like A to B to to Z um, in terms of they had that you know it was that classic thing of the the two characters in the film that don't get on originally. I tried to work out the point where they gelled. What was the, what was the catalyst that made her buy the suit and? Actually- I think she felt sorry for him a bit. Because when he bought his own clothes and he turned up in the... the could, could I just... <laughs> if ever we go to a fancy dress... <laughs> can, Charlie be brilliant, actually. Could we get you to dress up in a tan it's leather cool coat? No, <laughs> a tan leather coat. With a Hawaiian with a shirt. shirt. And then perhaps the old get star... The, <laughs> <laughs> the sunglasses they buy in um, Brighton. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> sweet. No, but what was the point where, where that gel? This is what... My yeah. thing is, um, her kind of realising that he wasn't a walkover. Um, mm. The point where, he, I think it's like Hyde Park Corner or something. It's by the Hilton. Yeah. yeah, and uh, 
I think she sort of grudgingly respects him for that, but he does it in a way that's not as menacing as the other male. He goes back to get life. Mm. He so actually not, goes back. So in one sort of fell swoop, he's shown her that he's not a walkover, but also that he has a bit of compassion as well. Yeah. And I think that's what she's lacking in the other relationships in her life. And also that he's not a lech. See, I'm cheap. I can't help it. God made me that way. Being cheap is one thing. Looking cheap is another. That really takes talent. Some women are whores. Some whores are black. You take what you're given, don't you? I didn't ask to drive you around, I was given you, same as you was given me. The only difference is, you complain and I don't. Turn it off! No. You heard me, turn it off! But you asked me to buy clothes, I buy it! But you make remarks, anybody ever teach you manners? You want to work for me? No! Get out! Fucking out, baby. That's only I'm fired. Alright, you're fired. Lovely. I'm fired and you're streetwalking. That's all. He's trying to understand her because he doesn't understand that world, does well, he? It's, it's Pretty Woman in reverse, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's yeah. the cool girl yeah. who's introducing him to the sophistication yeah. of London society as opposed yeah. to. The, the cliche of like the the rich kind of client yeah. bringing her up. Um, yeah, I think that's what does it. But I, d- I didn't think they pondered on that too much myself. I think it's when she realises that, yeah, he's not just leching over her. He's not like the yeah. other men in her life, maybe. And they quite quickly become close, don't they, I think. They become dependent on each other almost to a certain degree as well, don't they? Mm. It's, it's yeah, the searching guy. for the Kathy. Was it? No, what was it? It was Kathy, yeah. yeah. It's easily mixed up because the actress. Yeah, that's why I had to question myself. Um, When they first went, she said, Oh, where to now? And he went, King's Cross. And I'm like, My my brother worked in King's Cross in the late 80s. So I knew that that area was like renowned for it. Not sure it's entirely changed. No, but I mean, it? how bleak did that bridge? And Where was it? Is that actually at King's Cross? Because I, I don't I, know. I was recognising like something out like up north. That bridge, didn't it? Like mm. something you'd see in Newcastle. It's very industrial, sort of, or broken industrial sort of unless, landscape. Unless it was, you know, this is still the era in which the Docklands is very. It, it, it could be still like hasn't been redeveloped. Uh, yeah, it yeah, could be like Isle, Isle of Dogs. Yeah, yeah, that kind of area. It reminded yeah. me of the bridges round by Paddington as well, sort Cold, of that yeah. area. But a lot of the, those locations were genuine. I recognised mm. a lot of places. So, well, um, go on. I told my mum that we were reviewing this because yeah. she always likes to see what what films because yeah. she's I wouldn't say she's a massive film buff but she's yeah. interested in cinema she's Mona Lisa and uh, the school his daughter's school is where my mum went to school in Camberwell no oh, is oh, that oh, yeah Archbishop Michael Ramsey <laughs> nice. just off of um, just off Camberwell New Road not far from John Ruskin well your mum knew that before no she she didn't realise at the time because oh. she would have left school quite a few years yeah. before but um, yeah I think she saw it in one of these Facebook groups where it's all your yeah. old schoolmates but yeah because I remember watching it, I think I swear that's Campbellwell or Woolworth. Yeah, right? and yeah, it was where she they, went to they, school. They do jump about a bit, um, location-wise, from yeah. London. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you got Westminster, not Westminster Bridge. You got Waterloo Bridge and all that sort of stuff. And like you said, outside the Hilton Hotel at Hyde Park Corner, mm. um, it's almost. 
I know it sounds a bit cliche, but you know those neo noir sort it is of a, movies, yeah. isn't it? Can you imagine like a noir movie made in the eighties? There was a a real kind of signpost to it early on, yeah, um, because he's got this sort of really good friendship with Robbie Coltrane's character, yeah. and he says to him when he's picking him up after he's had the kind of tear up outside his house. Um, what you know? What did you think of the latest book that I sent you? Did oh, I can't believe the driver done it, and I thought it was the the Chinese bloke who fed the goldfish, which immediately put me in mind of Chinatown, right? Because okay. there's a scene in Faye, at Faye Dunaway's house in Chinatown where you have like a an Asian guy feeding the, the oh fish. Oh my god! The, so I thought, is this <laughs> is this signposting as a neo noir thing? Because like Paul. I went into it without knowing anything about the right. like, other than the fact that I knew it was about Bob Hoskins' relationship with a cool girl character, but nothing more than that. Yeah, yeah, because that's all you seem to get from the trailer. If, if you had yeah. seen the trailer, but you two never watched the trailer either. And there's these continual references to the kind of detective stories that Robbie Coltrane's fixated upon. So yeah. it's like it's giving you a clue, actually. Yeah, about them like verbally rewriting the ending yeah. of it, and yeah. To the dwarf after he ran off with the uh, the person on, yeah, yeah, sorry. Well, he goes back to the psychiatrist's office. What the old stats? No, no, the dwarf, <laughs> he's got another session, right? And just as he's leaving the office, another the... murder. How did you know that? I'm good at these things, and don't tell me it was the lawyer's wife. No, no, it's the horse. Well, the horse did the murder, murdered the lawyer's wife. Not a fucking lawyer's wife, the horse was the horse was the victim, right? It was the horse that got murdered, but with a nice pig. Yeah, that'd be good. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, listen. Well, what about this tall, thin, black story? Ah. Well, we got it wrong, the fella did. Actually, she's a nun in disguise. What kind of nun? A sister of mercy. You know those that wear the big white bonnets? Ah, with a big thing is on it. Yeah. She doesn't wear this the whole time, though. Well, she can't, can she? She's on the game. It'd look a bit funny, wouldn't it? And spoil the point of the exercise. Oh. She won't be in disguise then, would she? Well, that's nuns for you. You could actually picture the long sort of driving sequences, the boring part for you, Paul, mm. where it was dragging off. Can you imagine a narration over the top of that? You well, know? there's elements of Taxi Driver about yeah. this as well, where it's yeah. the kind of white knight who wants to save the cool girl and, you know, Travis Bickle's yeah. driving mm. around the streets I mean, of New York. and Saying that, you, you could, I mean... You could almost remake that film set back in like fifties America. Like, exactly, yeah, exactly like a noir movie. Yeah, yeah. it's London noir. It, if anything, it also reminded me of Get Carter a little bit in terms of the the theme of you know someone's gone to this sort of urban environment to try and get a girl out of a really seedy yeah situation yeah. in which oh, pornography is yeah. involved. And it's funny that Michael I mean, Caine's. The, the, yeah, there's been. I mean. There's been quite a few films like that, hasn't there? Yeah. But I think this was handled really well because um, it's not a subject you'd immediately go to for a, a big hit movie, would it? Well, can you imagine if you saw that advertised and you think, okay, you know, Bob Hoskins becomes a driver to a cool girl yeah. in London and it's like driving Miss Daisy with tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hoskins got tits. He's <laughs> got some hair. Not as big as mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, when he went to the, the baths or whatever. The sauna, yeah. Sauna, yeah. He's Crikey. a hairy man, isn't he? Wow. <laughs> this, this is Bob Hoskins at the height of his 
popularity and fame as well. Yeah, when, it? Is it when pre was Roger Rabbit? I think yeah. that was a couple a year. of years. Yeah, maybe a year or two later. Yeah, because he's, there's six years between this and Long Good Friday. Mm. You've got Mer- is it Mermaids around that time as well? <sighs> that must have been after Roger Rabbit. Yeah, early Must 90s. have been. But he's um, a genuinely sort of world famous film star by the time because you've got Hook yeah. as well. Like the early yeah. 90s, he was. Yeah, I'll give I think you he the did rundown. the Super Mario film. That was ninety, oh, sure, terrible, oh, but a massive. Oh, dear, uh, dear. <laughs> but yeah. uh, must have been a lucrative. Oh, role he, yeah, for oh him, yeah, he like, must have definitely made some money from right, it. But. Yeah. Well, this was eighty six. So before this, he's been in Brazil and the Cotton Club. The honorary, oh. Co- yeah, he was, he forgot he was Cop-a-la. in. Yeah, he was in. The, he was in the Wall, Pink Floyd. Of course he was. Yeah, Alan Parker. Plays the manager. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Long Good Friday was 1980. You know, there's a couple of TV bits and pieces. So after this, 86, he then does A Prayer for the Dying, which was the Mickey Rourke movie. Uh, Lonely Passion of Judith Hearn, which I think was Maggie Smith. And then it's Roger Rabbit in 88. And then it's some really bizarre stuff. The Raggedy Rawney, which I think was a film for... The what? What? The Raggedy <laughs> Rawney. So yeah, I think it's a film for thing. Heart Condition. Then Mermaids in 1990. Shattered, I remember him in. Hook was 91. You know, Blue Eye, Super Mario 93. Nixon, 1995, playing oh, J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. I forgot he was in there. That's the Oliver Stone. Biography. Was it Oliver Stone? I think, I think he, it's the he one. He might have wrote the screenplay. I don't know if I've directed it. Yeah, the it. one with Anthony Hopkins as yeah. Nixon, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of forgotten about a bit that film, I yeah. would say. Yeah. So it's sort of pre Roger Rabbit, yeah. pre Hollywood. Yeah. He's, it's still Film 4 era, I like to say. Yeah. Sort of thing. He is that kind of actor that, I mean, and then as, as you can tell from, even though he'd done Hollywood movies, he's yeah. still stuck with doing. Those more gritty film four ones mm. as well, as is what the expectation would be of him, because mm. it, there is a bit of a kind of irony about no no disrespecting because he was a fine actor, but you, he's not the person that you would have assumed would become oh, a star God, on no. the world stage. Nope, appearance wise, height wise, he's not got that kind of classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah bit like if you compare him to like Ray Winston sort of thing. Yeah. He he's been in Hollywood movies, but his his main thing is these film four. I, I mean, like, I would I would yeah. largely blame his accent in The Departed for maybe not going on from there. But um <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think Bob Hoskins sets the blueprint for Ray Winston. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bloody Mary is it, sir? No, I'd like a party, please. Earl Grey or Lapsan Souchon? No. Tea. Very good, sir. There's a couple of things that stood out for me that also baffled me at the same time. The random appearance of Joe Brown. I spotted that. You, you... Yeah, yeah, Did yeah, you yeah. even he's, know who Joe um, Brown was? Is, yeah. is he he's Dexter or someone like Yes, yeah. he's the barman. Yeah. Or... Just randomly. Yeah, because he's... Yeah. Watching that's in the first five ten yeah. minutes of the film, Joe and I'm like, Brown and his brothers. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Joe Brown and the brothers. Yeah, I, I was like, that's Joe Brown. So at, at first, <laughs> I thought it was uh, the guy who played Bricktop. Oh, uh, Alan. Yeah, can't think of his name. Yeah, Clark, from, is yeah, from yeah, yeah, Partridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Joe Brown. Yeah, yeah, but, that was a strange one. He's appeared on Real Pretender before. He, he, the, when he was at the peak of his like pop career. We reviewed a thing called Three Hats for Lisa, where he yeah. appeared in a movie Sid, with yeah. Sid James. Yeah. So, um, apologies, Stephen's not here, so we're not going to have uh, the Village Hall of Fame today. But Stephen will 
take all the appearances today and total it all up for the next show. Um, it just seemed very random that Joe Brown mm. was there playing. He wasn't a pimp. He was like a nightclub owner or... What was yeah, he? he was kind of the one who was attending at Maltwell wasn't wasn't there, wasn't he, I think, in the office. That or... was it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because for those that haven't seen it, Bob Hoskins has been released from prison after, was it seven years? I think seven he years said. He did, yeah. uh, and he's gone back to try and find some work, mm. basically. And, and from, from the guy that he shut his mouth for. Basically, he owes him a favour. Yeah. Right? And then the thing I liked, actually, as well, when he goes back to see his daughter and his ex-wife, turns up with the flowers and all that lot, um, and the wife actually, if you've, if you've watched the young ones, the TV series, is Vivian's mother. I reckon. Oh, <laughs> I like the fact that there wasn't any conflict between him and his daughter throughout mm. the movie. No. He's got enough conflict going on throughout the rest of this fucking film that to have another sort of twist like that would just be too much. But it'd been too flabby, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd been too heavy. Just too much to take in. And it's just like, I like the fact that his daughter wanted to see him and he wanted to be part of her life and that relationship wasn't an issue. Yeah. Whereas he's got enough issues going on with all the other characters that he's encountering throughout the film. Nice car. Can I get in then? Oi, they're jealous. Hey, friends of yours? Sort of. Come on, get in. mess up that day, Dad. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. So you should be. What'd your mum say? She don't talk about you. Never. Dad, why did you leave? Did she tell you? Nah. Well, I'm not going to tell you either. Go on, please. Well, I was a bad lot. I'll tell you someday. Are you still a bad lot? It's not up for me to say, is it? The other thing that I wanted to mention that, that sort of stood out and baffled me, the white rabbit. Yeah. What Has anybody worked it out? Has anybody looked this up? Or nope. Is it like some obscure Alice in Wonderland reference? Or is it well, like a Blofeld it, thing? It was a present for Mortwell, wasn't it? He stops off at the pet shop and buys a white rabbit. Yeah. Because he's in the car with Robbie Coltrane and he says, you're not going to do it. I says, yeah, I'm just going to buy a white rabbit. And he goes into the pet shop and he says, you've got a white rabbit with short ears. And the bloke behind the counter says, I've got one with long floppy ears. He went, that'll do. Or so it might be yeah. the other way around. I can't remember. Is it just his Blofeld like signature that he has oh, a rabbit that is like, you know. But Blofeld had a cat. But, you know, <laughs> that, that would have been a copyright issue, maybe. Ian Fleming right. would have been livid if he was still alive in 86. But, um, he stole that from me. Because there's a there's a scene late on without jumping the gun where uh, Simone and George go into a hotel room and he's sitting there waiting for him stroking the right. rabbit. Yeah. So is that his calling right. card? I said, well, so he's kept the rabbit, I, obviously. I found this. But, the, yeah. the White Rabbit is a reference to Alice in Wonderland. The film subtly plays with the notion of reality versus fantasy. That's the next bit I want to bring up then. Because when Robbie Coltrane mentions the novel and there's something about a white horse... Yes. 
and then he brings back the subject of the white horse later on and there's a flash of him seeing an actual white horse yes that's yeah it's mm. very highfalutin isn't it when they bring stuff like that into neo noir I think was that was. white horse there it was a happy eater, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, happy eater. I don't remember happy eater. Oh, yeah, I'm guessing it was like Little Chef. Yes, yeah, very similar. I don't remember Bernie Inn. Oh, he was all right. <laughs> Which I think became Beef Eater, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably basically. did, yeah. Um, Prince of Wales used to be a Bernie. Bloody hell. There you go, listeners. <laughs> that's, that's a pub, not Charles. Yeah. <laughs> So something to do, obviously, the White Rabbit in Person Wonderland. So where are we yeah. going with this? Because it's I'm late. And... Sorry, just just while I'm on there. Yeah. Although it's right, this is be- the scenes between George and Thomas. Um. So the story that George is telling to his friend, one partly based on truth, but one that is embellished as he goes. In fact, the book that Thomas recommends to George, the Deadly Percheron is a real novel by John Franklin Bardin that uses this very idea. Oh, this is a bit deep. Then. This is yeah, deep, I, I, love, I love that, though. I love when something that seems like quite, not, you know, not belittling it, but something that seems fairly straightforward is hidden depths like that. Yeah. Um, but there is a point where George says that he talks about being in this kind of other reality because he's so besotted with Simone as well. So is that a part of it? You know, he can't mm. see reality for what it is. Yeah. Maybe Simone is actually a piece of work. Maybe this Kathy girl is not worth going to save, but because he's sort of, you know, besotted with her, yeah, he's, he's not seeing reality as it should be, maybe. Yeah. But then there's also the realisation that Kathy and the Kathy Tyson character, Simone, are actually lovers as yeah, well. Yeah, that isn't right to the very end, yeah. though, is it? And I didn't pick up on that at all. No. Because you, you thought it was just some waif and stray that she wanted to rescue. Bit of an age gap. You just thought yeah. she was, like, looking out for her. Yeah. And and you, for a first-time watch especially, you think George is going to get with Simone at or, some point. Or the, the tragedy at the end yeah. be that it's an unrequited love mm. thing, yeah. really. So for that thrown in at the end was, yeah. It's a great movie, And that's, that's when <laughs> George gets quite violent towards her. Uh, the bit of Brighton on the pier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when he's forcing her to dance. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some really outwardly dark moments in the film, but there's also some really dark suggestions with never going into it. So the fact that she says, you know, I can only eat ice cream. Oh, I can't. God. I yeah. can't have normal food now. It, mm. it never explains, but you know that it's based on a lifestyle, and it's really quite bleak, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fifteen-year-old girl, and the fact that she was obviously a heroin addict. Yep. Yeah, that's um, the bit I picked up. Yeah, it's all to do uh, with that. Yeah, to do with the ice cream. But yeah. like when she's, they've got her in that room, and she's looking after her, and that. But again, mid-eighties film, bringing up the subject of. Heroin. It wouldn't happen until train spotting. No, that would. And also, a lot of people back then wouldn't have necessarily picked up on that. They they wouldn't know why she would have been ill. Yeah. They they it wasn't so well known that you you get these withdrawal symptoms Mm. from it. Heroin was not a big. Maybe American audiences might, but it wasn't until 
like the early 80s that heroin was a big thing here and I think there was, mm. a, there was a big shipment of it from Pakistan and it hit the it hit like the estates really hard mm. and people who had more money and, and more kind of safer means of obtaining drugs knew that mm. injecting it was not a good thing to do but when it hit these estates and people went mental with it yeah. it's during, during the AIDS epidemic of course yeah, yeah. you know in 1900 America um, so population was obviously much, much less. It's two hundred and fifty thousand heroin addicts. Because it was opium and it yeah. it was obviously heroin is just a, a name, it's a trademark, yeah. isn't it? Why it's, well, it's not yeah. an actual no, yeah. no, no, no. It was it was sent out to the troops in World War One, wasn't yeah, it? It was, it was in their presents. little medipacks. Yes. There is <laughs> I have seen um American films that are much earlier than this where there is this kind of thing portrayed. So, mm. Clute, for example, yes. there's a scene, isn't there, where someone's really going through it and yeah. desperate to get their next hit. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think British cinema would have dealt with no. that until Didn't this touch on it until, no, like no. I say, Train Spotting was probably the one that brought it to the forefront. Yeah. I mean, Train Spotting obviously shows you how they use it and yeah. that, but you'd have never got away with that. Well, all in we an see here, we, we saw like a trade, didn't we, with a syringe and a couple of bits and pieces on there. There was right. one little shot, wasn't there? I didn't. I didn't Did you not see that? In the, in the, the mansion. mansion. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah, there was yeah. one but shot of it. Again, that's the way that pimps used to control their girls. Still yeah. do. And yeah. It, not that I'm knowledgeable, but it's. <laughs> yeah, that's the best, the best, but the most effective way of. Yeah, manipulating someone get get them hooked on a drug that they you very difficult to get off. You you saying about this the Mister Anderson character? That's Lord Boothby, isn't it? No, 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 Mister Anderson, the black guy that's running. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, we'll go back to him yeah. in a second. Isn't he like one of the best like movie villains ever without really appearing on the screen at all? Because he's mentioned. Mm, quite yes, a lot if Mr yeah. Anderson sees you he's going to slash your face and then he punches him in the car yeah. and all that lot. Could, could you tell me I don't know if, if you've got it already but could you tell me which actor played him because he's Mr Anderson I will tell you exactly who it is sir Clark Peters is his name and he appeared in Mona Lisa he did he's always one isn't there Scott <laughs> he was in The Wire that's it, yes. <laughs> Lester in the wire. Uh, the, uh, Detective Lester Freeman. I thought I recognised him, yeah, because there's so many British actors in the wire yeah. as well. So, yeah, I'm, I thought it was oh, him. That's yeah. why you, he was in John Wick, the first one as well. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I just love the fact that there's so much interaction and relationships going on. Bob Hoskins has got these, like, different relationships going on with different people and each one is unique mm. like I say the, the relationship with his daughter alright is troubled but, but it's, it's settled it's very loving you, yeah. you can tell that as as much of a wrong one as he is he will always sort of be there for his exactly. daughter exactly yeah. need that there to, to flesh out the character yeah. so that you don't just think he's a piece of work there needs to be Compassionate elements, I think. And I like the, the way it was handled. It was like, why did you go away, Dad? That's a story for another day, sort yeah. of thing. And then you've obviously got this huge convoluted relationship with Kathy Tyson. But then you get the relationship with Robbie Coltrane. Which I think is is a basic, like, two blokes... Understand just, each other. Yeah, yeah, just get on. They, they don't need to ask the deep and meaningful questions. They're just like... They well, sort of know what level each other is on. A couple, there's a couple of questions he asked about 
The spaghetti. Oh, yeah. fucking, the plastic <laughs> spaghetti. Wow. You've got to do melt it down and eat it. Got to melt it down and eat And then later on, there's the, the Madonnas or the, the Mary's. <laughs> Sorry about the language. <laughs> the light out. What do you reckon? Went to the spaghetti. Went like hot cakes. What are you going to do with it? I'm working in that. You're mad. You think so? Comes. Christ. What's happened to you, George? I'm growing up, Thomas. Trying to look like other people. You'll never look like other people, George. Fuck, is that true? Well, she don't think so. Aye, what's she up to? She's not up to anything. She's a friend of mine. She's got to be up to something, George. What do you think this lot costs? Well, she's a woman of substance. She's a lady. Oh, I thought you said she was a tart. Tall, thin, black tart. Well, maybe. Because she's still a fucking lady. Sorry about the language. But actually, when they were actually eating spaghetti... They were steaming. Yeah. Right. How... Where was there any sauce? It was just spaghetti. <laughs> it was just like, is there any meat? No, there, there was some sauce, but the thing I noticed, it was actually hot. And how yeah. often in a movie do you see because steam of, coming off of a Because of uh, the amount of takes that they have to do and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, well. and it was yeah. steaming. It was like... Oh, I, um, I think there's a bit of a trademark in the noir genre where they've mm. got a friend who's not in the private eye business or not a cop or who's yes. like a confidant. Mm. Yeah. You have it in... Um, James Bond even don't you really like it's a bit of a trope where or you know in Chinatown again where you've yeah. got like the guy saying leave it Jake it's Chinatown yeah. who are sympathetic and can see what's going on but just on the outskirts yeah on the edges like and he, foil. He, yeah. <laughs> but that relationship with Robbie Coltrane I thought was brilliant he's kept his car for him how famous yeah. was Robbie Coltrane at that point that's right? what I was going to think I was going to um, say when was he'd have been in Tutti Fruity probably by then he mentions Tutti Fruity as well at one oh, point. He? Robbie Coltrane says about Tutti Fruity. One of my favourite actors without always yeah, thinking about He it. was around in... Um, what was the thing following on from the young ones? You know, where famous... Filthy Rich and Cat Flat? No, the five go... Oh, he was in the comic oh, strips. Comic, comic yeah. strips, yeah. 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 So he was in them. Right, 86. Was it the Yob or something? Right, Tutti Fruity was 87 yeah. the following year. When was Nuns on the Run? <laughs> <laughs> right, let's... Working, Classic film. Working backwards from from eighty Mona Lisa eighty six absolute beginners. You know the um, I've read oh, the novel. David Bowie. Yeah, yeah it was like mod culture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great film. Patsy We're going to be doing that very soon. Yeah, uh, the Supergrass, which was a comic strip movie, was eighty five. So going back, Girls on Top. Do you remember that? Yes. With, um, uh, Ruby Wax. Was it and, no, it was Ruby Wax and French and Saunders. I think. Mm. Yeah. Sounds brilliant. Young Ones was in a couple of episodes of the Young Ones, 82, 84. Right, okay, so Cracker. was 90s. Do you remember he was in Blackhead the Third as Samuel Johnson? I yes. Don't, yeah. Don't, yeah. My heart is confibularities to you, sir. Sausage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sausage. A um, couple of French and Saunders, Blackhead as Christmas Carol. Oh, my God, so Cracker. When does Cracker come in? I know it was probably um, in the mid-90s. Yeah. It started probably... Carl yeah. Um, right. So in between, as well. yeah, Henry he the, was Henry the, the fifth. He was a Liverpudlian um, nutter, wasn't he? The Committed serial, like a terrorist act. Yeah, because of that was Hillsborough. It was yeah, down to Hillsborough. Yeah, I haven't seen the first four. No, <laughs> Henry Henry the fifth, the Branner version in eighty nine. He was John Falstaff. Yeah, I've seen that. Yes, yeah. Nuns on the Run was nineteen ninety. 
the Pope must die. Oh, crikey. <laughs> Jeez. When I worked in the video shop, someone put on the... We, what we used to do in the video shop, you used to put the empty case out on the shelf and then you come to the counter. Mm. And you'd like a, a blockbuster sort yeah. of setup. Yeah. And on the cardboard sleeve behind the counter, instead of the Pope must die, someone put the Pope must die out. Just an example of some of the laughs we have here. <laughs> the long winter evening simply yeah. flew by, Charles, uh, yes. You don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Golden Night, 1995. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was, um, yeah. Played a Russian character, yeah, didn't and he? Yeah. was in the other one, the There's second one after Scottish that. Scottish-Russian accent. Yeah. So, I can't find Cracker, just flicking through this. Um, Panhandle. That was the the woman detective in it, wasn't it? Panhandle. She was the Scottish ginger, yeah. like, yes. Great series. I know it was big in the mid-90s, Cracker, because, yeah, it, when you watch kind of reruns of stuff on YouTube, and then mm. sit in the mid nineties. Says up next is Cracker. It's like the big kind of ITV. Yeah, kind it, of it was film. very, very good. And as you say, it, it launched the careers of a lot of people. I, I do really admire him as an actor because he's got such a there's such a likability about him. Yeah. I think, but he could also have a little bit of menace about him if he needed mm. to as well. Yeah. There was no menace. He was just this comic foil throughout, wasn't yeah. he? He's this... very much the the British. Apologies to our Scottish listeners. The British um, <laughs> kind of John Candy in that sort of sense in the, in this film, in a way, mm. like he's there for comic. Yes, release. yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what he does throughout. I mean, when Bob Hoskins is watching the porno tape in yeah. the caravan inside the garage, sort of thing, yeah. whatever. It is. Basically, just her licking his six pack. <laughs> that's the extent of the porno. Yeah. yeah. But he just walks in. He says, "Oh, you reduce yourself to this now." He says, "You can't finish the book, but you watch this film." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I thought it was great because it was just he had this somebody that he could always go back to. Michael Caine. Yeah, plays a nasty, horrible bloke, doesn't he? This ma- this may be the beginning of Michael Caine as a kind of animated parody of himself. I That's think. what I was going to get. It just becomes. It's not cartoonish at this point. It's signposting it though. It's it's, it's, it's definitely a cameo performance because yeah. he's not in it that Do long. You get confused. Like, it's just like <laughs> the the accent. That, that was the thing that got me because he's from South London. But what is the accent he's putting on there? It was just accentuated too much. It's Michael Caine dialect. It's literally yeah. its own thing, isn't mm. it? It's like. Again, we say this with Connery. Yeah, it transcends any sort of region. Yeah. It's just what you'd call Michael Caine. I think. <laughs> just going back to the rabbit. I'm sorry. Could we just tie this rabbit thing up? Oh, it's a bit kinky. So why is we're saying it's Alice in Wonderland? Well, that's yeah. saying that well, that's yeah. what some called theme. it. But that was maybe. So what is what is the yeah? So what is the relationship? How does that fit in? I like the Blowfield reference. I thought that was better. <laughs> I think the Alice in I think the Alice in Wonderland thing that they're saying is to make it more surreal. But it's also the fact that it's maybe saying that George is an unreliable narrator. So it's brilliant. Like okay, that makes sense. The, right, the difference between George's perception of what's happening and what really is happening, and yeah, his uh, naivety. I think the okay. fact that these people can be saved and and that they can get out of that life and he's unaware that they can't really. Right. Um, you know, this Kathy girl and the, the other girl he professes yeah. to be Kathy. I was going to say the fake Kathy, that was quite harrowing. 
Yeah, that the, the fact right. that he, Sammy Davis, he goes yeah. looking around all these Soho strip joints and whatever, it's looking it's looking for a yeah. young girl, and I'm like, oh god, you 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 got so to reword goes, this. Yeah, but he finds his mate, doesn't he? Like after going through the peep shows and all yeah. that, like, and he finds his mate. He says, I'm looking for a young girl from Brighton called Kathy. Blonde Come hair. back in a couple of hours. Yeah. And that's exactly what he says. Come back in a couple of hours and we'll, you know. And the fact that he falls for it. Yeah. The yeah. fact that he falls for it shows his innocence and naivety. And yeah. I think that's the, the, the line between fantasy and reality. He's got yeah. an idealised vision of the world and it's like you mm. can't you can't save people in that situation. Yeah. Their lives are fucked, basically. Like, And he's been in prison for seven years. So yeah. remember like when he gets out or he gets into the car with Robbie Coltrane and he makes a reference is what where all this lot from oh yeah, like, yeah the, you know, the, the, the slightly West racist yeah, sort of yeah. thing it's, yeah. it's, you know the, the, the implication is that like a West in, big West Indian community has moved into that area yeah. again a lot has happened since yeah, he's been if, in prison if, if, yeah. he's been away since late 70s to mid 80s yeah. yeah the 80s moved fast in changes didn't yeah. it especially the early 80s yeah so yeah I think I think you're supposed to look at George in this as someone who he's obviously street level and that and he's he's done some stuff in his time but mm. he's a bit out of place in yeah. society and I think that's yeah I think that's what he's getting at a bit like Travis Bickle is in um, Taxi Driver he doesn't understand the world around him Travis Bickle's also got some obvious mental health issues going yeah. on as well yeah. whereas Michael Mike, Michael Caine whereas Bob Hoskins you know, it's it's just like the the seven years has completely passed him by, and he's come out to a completely different world. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what job he was doing before, but it certainly wasn't driving tarts around no, London. No, it was something obviously very dodgy, something involving violence. Because uh, but own, no, yeah. he says he's a driver, so perhaps it was like for uh, for robberies and such. He could be a like getaway dri- driver, yeah. but then also he's delivering packages as well. He says between mm. like. Yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows? I love that though when he goes and delivers the uh, the muckies, the muckies, and yeah. uh, says, "Oh, well, how much do you want for that?" It's oh, no, you have it, your family, because I'm always yeah. giving those sort of videos to my family. Merry <laughs> 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 <Maybe> Christmas, Nan. <laughs> <laughs> it was one a- of you and Granddad. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing to see, like when they come out of Gerrard Street, like Chinatown, all that. Yeah. Like, and every other shop was like a peep show or a porno place or whatever. Yeah, because I go, don't know. I don't know it to be that. Is it? No, is it still oh, like that? No, not there? at all now. No, no, not, not at now. all. Absolutely. I mean, I I no. worked in one of them. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> in a different life. No, I worked in Oxford Street in the late eighties, and we were right near Soho Square and Gerrard Street and all uh, that, and which is where all this was. Yeah. And yeah, when when you get drunk as lads, you walk through there, and it. It's exactly like yeah. that was. And, and that thing about, you know, when he paid his like three quid to get in, but then they charged him another fiver for a glass of wine. Yeah. That's exactly That's, how it was. Well, I love the fact that when he walks out of the video shot, yeah. just walks past a copper, he's just like, just accepted. Yeah. Totally part of the fabric yep. of that yep. bit of London. Yeah. That's how it was, man. Absolutely. Love, love the use of Genesis. Into Did deep. you? I was going to ask you about this because I know you're a big Phil Collins fan. I, but like, I like early Genesis. I right. just I can't differentiate between Phil Collins' <laughs> solo work and late Genesis. I think that's the issue. Mm. But what is it about that song and 
being used in films with really sort of erotic content because he's in uh, American Psycho as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Though I was wondering if there was, it was like, I don't know, they were on the same record, like, I don't know, because they had made films and Virgin were linked or whatever. Or, yeah. but, no, but, um, well, I, I think Phil Collins might have been mates with Bob Hoskins. Buster wasn't a handmade film by any chance. It might have been, I think it was. Yeah. Talking of handmade films, do you notice two of the time bandits having the fight on the pier? Yeah, Kenny Baker and the other uh, the other fella having the fight. Yeah. I, I, I saw that and I'm like, what? Just just where has that come from? That's, that's just to add a bit of levity to yeah. it becoming really dark. Yeah, because he's kicked the bloke in the end, the bloke in the box as he's walked past. And then they didn't want much of a fight, did they? <laughs> they must have been allergic to shellfish. <laughs> but then, yeah, you've got like Kenny Baker, R2-D2, and the other guy at the time band, it, start fighting each other. Yeah, <laughs> I, was just, I was just bemused by that. That's another example of What's like reality and fantasy? Oh, that's exactly like, yeah. yeah, you put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I know they're actually real people and not being disparaging. They are, to they are that genuine people. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not being disparaging to people from that sort of community, but it is like put in there to kind of have a brave of, and it's yeah. not all as dark yeah. as you, you'd expect absolutely. it to be. Absolutely, absolutely. So, final thoughts on your first time watches, chaps. Who's going to go first? Um, having spoken about it. Um, I think I mean, I think I've enjoyed it more than I thought I did. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of darker and deeper meaning to it than you originally see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd definitely go back and watch it yeah. just to sort of probably not analyse it more, but try and look more into the meaning and and the different relationships in it. Yeah. And and actually look for this sort of Alice in Wonderland type thing to see if there is any truth to that. Does it carry on throughout the yeah. film? That it disappears down a rabbit hole. Yeah, it Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good And are there other characters? Is there like a Mad Hatter character yeah. or a Cheshire Cat or something like yeah. that in there? Yeah. Ooh, nice. Oh, I bet we could find oh, it nice. now if we really look for just, it. This is just, very Commodian just, now. just really milk this analogy. <laughs> we might have to come back to this at a later date, guys. Rewatch it and, and change our sort of like outlook on the whole movie. It's, mm. Yeah, it's just... Ooh. I love these films, though, because Paul's hit the nail on the head when he said that um, sometimes you'll watch something, you think that's good, but it's not until you kind of yep. sit and consider it that how much you enjoyed it actually... Mm. Come to the forefront of your mind. Like those, in some respects, they're the best movies. Um, yeah, the ones but, that stay with you. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. constantly watched, bugging I, you. I actually only watched it yesterday, so I haven't had that experience. Mm. But I quite liked it while I was watching it. Yeah, and that that neon wire thing is a bit of me, as you know. Of course, like, it is, um, yeah. my only my only bone of contention with the film mm-hmm. is there's a massive disparity between the quality of acting from like Hoskins, Coltrane. Maybe Kane. It's not Kane's greatest performance. No. But there's some really dodgy acting, I think. Yeah. Especially the, the the fake Kathy. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah the, even Kathy Tyson it, at points. I, even I like obviously when they're on the bridge, like searching the, oh, the, the prostitutes yeah. on there. They're, they're like people who just been I, I off the street. This is what <laughs> happens when you get a relatively. I know it was George Harrison's company, but Handmade Films is a relatively humble sort of film mm-hmm. production company. It's what happens when you get icons and you put them into a film that might be quite low budget. And yeah. So 
yeah. the difference, the gulf is evident between course, yeah. seasoned pros and up and coming people, yep. really. But it, it wasn't enough to ruin the film for me. No, no. So, going back to what you said near the beginning, Paul, you know that sort of like dead period that you said that, that 20, 30 minutes when they were just driving about? Mm. There's obviously more in that than you sort of yeah. realise it. I still, I, I don't know if it was just the time I was watching yeah. it or whatever, but I still feel that they did just do a bit too much of that. Go but back. A, again, go back. on another watch, yeah. I might appreciate yeah. the fact that, I mean, when he when she kept getting dropped off at the prince's house or whatever. Or the, oh, the, the Arab guy. Yeah, yeah, especially when they brought, the second or third time, brought out a tray with tea on it. Yeah, but that's <laughs> all linked because yeah. when you go back, that's all linked because he knows Michael Caine, obviously. Yeah, and yeah it's building up to something. Mm. For me, I mean, only the second watch in 30 plus years and I'm kicking myself for not watching it mm. a dozen times in between. It, I said at the beginning, it's got my name written all over it. Why have I not gone back to this? Yes, not Michael Caine's best performance. So I totally agree with that. Not Bob Hoskins, but it's certainly up there. Mm. Um, it's a good companion piece to Long Good Friday. It was making a great double bill with Long Good Friday. Handmade films just proving that for a certain sweet period in time, there was nothing else, mate, honestly, with Nail and I and all those mm. sort of things that were coming out. And they, they always seem to capture life of that era yeah sort of in in that it's definitely you you could look back at this without knowing when it was made yeah like if you've lived through that period sorry charlie you were sort of <laughs> born two, then. Baby. yeah <laughs> but you could instantly tell that was like that early 80s periods yeah. where life wasn't great thatcher was in everyone was struggling for money and yeah it, it instantly shows that Grim. Yeah. Grim. I look back on the 80s, obviously, not through experience, but just if you were from a particular background, there wasn't a lot to look forward to, which, yeah. which is why everything became so um, far-fetched and resplendent to take people out, like, especially mm. in the music industry and fashion. Yeah. It's an escapism, I Absolutely. think, from the yeah. of life. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a general thumbs up from the three of us for this one. Definitely. Let's take a break. We'll be back after this. Channel 4, is it? Couldn't finish the book and you're watching this crap. You used to be my hero, George. What's happening? Really? I will. Can you get your hero a gun, Thomas? What for? You remember the horse that was murdered? Yeah. I did it. And the lawyer's wife was very upset. You're not joking, eh? When did I have a joke? You used to tell that one about the Randy Gorilla. Yeah, but no one ever laughed, though, did they? It's the way you tell them.
okay so that was Mona Lisa now the boys are going to come back in a few weeks time and based on what we've already discussed over previous episodes it must be Paul's choice now Paul has told me what this is and Paul's got no real idea of what he's actually going to be reviewing tell us the story why we're reviewing what you're choosing here mate so been chatting with a guy at work who's sort of probably late 50s early 60s so serious is it hey (laughs) um and been just saying about some of the films we've been reviewing and it was it was his suggestion because we we saw trevor howard in the offense offense uh and he was saying he knew him from a uh a different film a 1980 film um that was quite obscure and weird that's got bit of cult status um i've never seen it never heard of it but he said he sort of compared it it's a bit sort of monty Mm -hmm. python-esque points and very obscure and weird yeah i've Um, seen it but yeah go on uh, the film is sir henry at rawlinson end not aware right if i was to tell charlie he's got vivian stanshaw from the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, oh, uh, amongst others, and Trevor Howard, which is why Paul's mentioned Trevor Howard. There's a marvellous audio version of it, because Vivian Stanshaw had that great, mellifluous voice, didn't he? You know? I can't remember nothing about it. I saw it far too early. It's only about an hour and a quarter long, Paul, I believe. Okay. It's, it's quite did, short. Did you want a quick plot to it? Or do you want to go into it blind? I may go into this blind because it sounds mental. It's. I remember selling it in the video shop, and it was in the cult section. Right. Um, cult, you say? Cult, very yeah. cult. He did have one of those sections as yeah. well. Apparently, it was his best sellers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because of the. It's, it's very surreal, and I'm a big fan of Vivian Stanshaw. Uh, he's going to be subject of a Rainbow Valley coming up Excellent. pretty soon as well. This is we're going into like unknown territory, basically, guys. I don't know a lot about the old Bonzo mob, but I know they were founded in the pub opposite where I work. Yeah, yes. Marcus of Grandly. Urban's. I'm the Urban Space Man, and yeah. it's uh, Neil Innes and all those guys. Uh, yeah, Morris, Neil Innes is great. Yeah, Morris is going to be a big fan of this, I'm sure. So, I'm looking forward to this because it is sort of like, as we say. A dark road we've never gone down before. And that it's it's something out of the ordinary, isn't it? It's yeah. it's not one that even the listeners are going to know instantly. There's some famous faces: Patrick McGee, Charlie, that we know oh, from Kubrick, and yeah, love him. Yeah, love him. Uh, Denise Coffey, who passed away a couple of weeks ago. Harry Fowler, Liz Smith, the mother out of the royal family, and yeah, oh, right, yeah, okay. two point four children. Yeah, she yeah, is. She's the yeah. mother in that as well, isn't she? There's not a Michael Caine, but there's a Michael Crane in it. Yeah. <laughs> Cheap yeah. Well, what if you get Michael Caine from Wish.com? <laughs> Very. Uh, Star Wars fans here, McDermott's in it. You know, Gary Waldhorn, I think he was the guy in Vicar of Dibley. Guy with the bald head. Hugo's well, father. The, uh, oh, the, really? Yeah, the guy yeah. who ran the parish. Sort yeah, of. Yeah. yeah, he's in it as well. You know, there's a couple of famous faces. It's only an hour and a quarter. Mm. We won't reveal the plot because should we all go into it blind? This yeah. is going to be so. Is it a vehicle for him as a musician? Do you reckon? Or is it like you know when the Style Council used to? Make no, I don't films? remember it being musically based at all. Wow. This one, let's give it a go. Might have trouble finding it. <laughs> no, just got to fop. 
the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, so we're doing so Henry at Rawlinson End. Next time we meet Charlie, Paul, thank you so much for being here this afternoon, guys. Always a pleasure to talk to you, whether it's Rainbow Valley Stinking Balls or whatever the podcast we're going to be doing. So it's been fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cheers, guys. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Sorry about the language. Absolute shah. A positive shah. Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir. I'm sick of pains. <laughs>